heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Well, hey there, Growth Junkies, and welcome back to the Growth Junkies Podcast. My name is Kent. I'm one of the hosts, and I'm joined by Ben, the other host. And his last name really is Boast. Yes, it is. It has been my entire life. Host, boast, with the most toast. (laughs) I haven't done that in a while. You have not done the rhyming thing in in quite a while. I'm sorry. That's okay. Anyway, welcome. We are here to talk about something that, um, you know, is a bit brainy, (laughs) I would say. That's one way to say it. Kind of a brainy subject. We are here to talk about the issue of neuroscience. Uh. Now, you're probably wondering where Ben and I got our PhDs in neuroscience. We actually don't have those. Right. But we do have a little bit of experience because we study this stuff. We've experienced this stuff. Yeah. And we are living examples of people that have experienced the progress of neuroscience. Yeah, and I think the reason we've brought it up as a topic is because of how accessible it is to fools like us. <laughs> yeah, even fools like us. Here's the thing that we learned. So we, we are not neuroscientists. We're no. going to qualify that. Yes. We are not experts in neuroscience, but you know Correct. what? I would say we're educated on it, though. Sure. Right? So, And, and, and we've also been through programs and trainings mm-hmm in which we were exposed to neuroscience. And so we have actually accessed the experts. Yeah, and the importance of uh, knowing that you can have access to this information as well. And I think that's why we decided to to touch on this topic is because of how readily available some of this information has become, how much more we know about the brain than we did, Mm -hmm. let's say, 50 years ago, let alone like 10 years ago. Right. The amount of information that keeps coming out about the brain and our ability to understand it, mm-hmm. it's like daily almost, it seems like. And I, I was describing to someone recently about this that uh, like when you look at your body, say your hand, for example, like we pretty much know how it works and operates because we're familiar with it. We see it every day. We use it every day. And yet the brain is the same thing, but because it's in our head, we feel like it's this object we have a hard time understanding. And I think yeah. the information that has come out about the brain, neuroplasticity, and the study of neuroscience in the last, you know, let's say 10, 15, 20 years has really helped us in that regard. I, I think that we're approaching a time where we can really have uh, a healthy relationship with our brains and manage them uh, much like we do other body parts and take care of them in that way. Yeah. Uh, at least that's been my experience as I've as I've learned about it. Very basic, simple understandings of things. Uh, there's really important books and information out there, stuff that we'll touch on on this podcast. But that would be my hope. Like to yeah. have a healthy brain is much easier. I want to say it's the potential for it to be much easier today than maybe in, in history. Mm-hmm. And yet a lot of people are struggling with their brain. Yeah. Well, the brain was a mystery for a long, long time. Right. But we've since, you know uncovered mysteries of the brain and realize it's not as mysterious as we once thought True. that there is um, a rhyme and a reason to the brain. And we've discovered the brain can get sick, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of the issues we face are in the brain. And so even though it's complex, you know, it is understandable. Right. And so there are bright minds out there. They've written a lot of books. There are neurosurgeons, neuroscientists, 
brain experts that are putting out a lot of material on this. Mm. And so you could even just get online and Google anything about neuroscience and you can find it. Right. Now, um, I was exposed to neuroscience when I fell into a program with uh, Dr. John Townsend and introduced me to a lot of his own research in which he was spending a lot of effort Mm -hmm. um, dialoguing with neuroscientists and bringing science to gel with, well, scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, for him, he had an effort to say, you know, the things that we read about in the Bible, about the human body and about the brain actually seem to be true when you look at the science. Mm -hmm. And so using science to validate what the Bible already said is true about us. (laughs) So it's really fascinating that the things we're discovering just now about the brain actually resonate with things we read from ancient scriptures. Mm -hmm. So the fact is the brain is an important part of who we are and it reveals a lot about us. And, and we should spend a little time talking about neuroplasticity is the word that you used. Can you define that for our listeners, Ben? What is neuroplasticity? Well, yeah, I'll define it. And then I'll also give a little context for it. You know, neuroplasticity is, is basically the concept that the brain can change, Mm -hmm. that it's not fixed. And the history on this is for a very, very long time. Um, the communities that study the brain neuroscientists and and the neurological field, they believed that the brain was fixed. Mm -hmm. So like if certain parts of your brain got damaged then there was no way that those things could be repaired and and you were kind of at a loss. Well, there was a big battle that happened somewhat behind the scenes. And all of what I'm sharing here is chronicled in a book called the brain that changes itself by Norman Doidge. Mm -hmm. And Norman Doidge was a, is a psychiatrist and he, he did a lot of uncovering of these things. There's also a documentary online that you can find about about that book as well. But in that book, he uh, talks about a doctor, Paul Baccarita is the guy's name. Pretty interesting name. And Was it Margarita you said? No, no, Baccarita. Oh, bummer. Okay. And what I'm hoping is not the case here. Like sometimes you learn about things and, and the validity of the stories, but like Paul Bacher, and, and to make sure that they're valid, I would encourage people to check them out, you know, and, and go do the research for themselves. But Paul Bacharita's father, I believe, had a stroke and lost mm-hmm. the ability to walk. There was something that happened to him physically. And through the process that he took him through, he was able to help his father regain his ability to walk. And it happened mm-hmm. through a lot of the neurological things that they did with him which was the beginnings of showing that the brain, the brain actually changes, like it can, mm-hmm. it can change itself, um, that the brain is plastic, mm-hmm. that neuro, new neuropathways can be formed, mm-hmm. that it's not just fixed. So neuroplasticity is the opportunity for the brain to change itself or for new neuropathways to be created, that it's not fixed but plastic. Yeah, that's huge. And we can thank, um, hey, Baccarita. <laughs> You know, that's a really that's, that's going to show up on some clip somewhere. I know I couldn't help it. It was ringing in my head. Yeah. But the, the point is, is true, though. I mean, the neuroplasticity, if I could say it, yeah, is hard this, to say sometimes <laughs> it's a mouthful. It is this idea that the brain um, can heal. Mm-hmm. It can grow. Right. It can change. And now that does go against a lot of what was historically believed about right. the brain. Mm-hmm. So the, the reality is there's hope. There's hope that we can change. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we can change. Change the way we think, change the way we live, because we can change the brain. Right. And that's a massive you know, truth. That's very profound, because a lot of us think that just on a normal, everyday basis, that we are who we are. 
Sure. You know, and I am who I am and I can't change. I can't get better. I can't grow. I can't get healthy. I can't be different. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true because neuroplasticity tells us that you can create new ruts in the brain Mm -hmm. by changing the way you think. Yeah. The brain, even people who have been, you know, had damage from an accident or crash or whatever can, you know, restore their brain function. Mm -hmm. That's a marvelous idea. But if you just bring it down to everyday living, it's important for us to realize that everyday people like us can change. Right. And that is really, really good to know. It is. And, And to know that there are processes that you can participate in that accentuate neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. and we don't want to oversell and under deliver here, but it's something worth looking at. Right. Um, There are stages in life that this process happens a little easier than others. Like when you're younger, the brain is more moldable and, Mm -hmm. and can develop a little bit easier, but the process is out there for all of us to experiment with and try. And one of the doctors in the documentary of the brain that changes itself, and he was probably in the book too, and I can't remember his name right now, because you mentioned lining up with scripture. Yeah. And for me, I was always like, okay, so God made us. He's kind of like the Henry Ford of humanity. If something's broken, he knows how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an insufficient illustration that I just used there. But God made us and created us, and he knows how we function. Mm-hmm that if neuroplasticity is real, we will see it in the scriptures. Like we should be able to identify it. And so this one doctor in the, in the documentary from Deutsch's book mentioned that still the most powerful thing that helps the brain change is thinking differently. Yeah. And I was like, huh. And that's kind of what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Do we have to trust all of these, um, scientific forms of practice to really get at the things that help us to do this ourselves mm-hmm. or would God have given this to us and, and said, it's here if you want it and it's available. Yeah. Like it says in Romans, you know, do not conform to the standards of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it suggests it's possible. Yeah. Thinking differently. There's a lot of scripture passages that right. point to this kind of thing of right. thinking differently. Yeah. Take every thought captive unto Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just hear these statements and we're like, there's something bigger happening here. Yeah. The Bible, the gospel really presupposes that we can change. Right. Transformation is real. Because people, you know, like, you know, they say, you know, that the human brain's not fully formed till you're 25 ish. Mm -hmm. But then we presume that that's just the way it is. Once it's formed, it's like concrete, but it's not. It's wet cement. Right. And so it can change. And so it's really important. I remember reading uh, Dr. Daniel Siegel, who actually talked about. Uh, This term he uses, increased integration, increased integration of the brain. Mm. And it happens through different things that we do. And one of the things he mentions is that we can actually change the way we think or change our brain through the simple act of telling our story to an empathetic listener. In other words, if just by simply telling you about me, Ben, about what I've been through and what has made me who I am, yeah, good and bad, just telling my story. And if you listen empathetically to that and validate my story, that actually changes my brain. Mm. Dr. Siegel says that just the act of sharing our stories, telling our stories with other people actually changes us the way that we think, the way that we live. And so this is why you know, they've done research on this PTSD patients, Mm. people who have even fought overseas in wars, they come home and they're walking down the street, you know, and a car backfires, they're running for cover. Mm -hmm. And we're like, well, what's the problem? Because what they experienced overseas in battle comes right back to them. It's ever present. Yeah. They've discovered when they take those patients and put them into an environment where there are three things, there are other people, Mm. 
those people are empathetic. They're safe. Mm -hmm. And then when they weep, when they share their story and they actually weep in telling it, Mm. they actually experience healing. Mm. Those PTSD symptoms are gone. And so that's part of the brain healing itself through the telling of our stories to empathetic people. So there are things that we can do by either changing the way we think. Yeah. So like one example we talk about is like playing new records in your mind. (laughs) So Ben and I were just talking about this before we recorded today about the fact that you have certain records you play in your mind about how the world is, Mm -hmm. about who you are and how people perceive you. But you can change the records. Yeah. You can actually change the record out and put a new one in. And I described as we were discussing it, this this is what came to my mind is the, the difficulty that I've had in my life with changing certain records was like, the record is on the record player, but if you go back in time and you look at vinyl, how there was always those printed labels on there that that sometimes got torn off. I would say like my records were like playing on the record player, but the labels were torn off. But what I really needed is I needed a label to be put back on. I needed some discovery of what is this record player called and where did I eventually get it from or, or originally get it from, I should say. And once I was able to discover that, I could take that record off and throw it away. But I, I didn't know how to identify it. I didn't know what to call it, right? And when I was able to gain some discovery through what it was that, it, that I could call it, I could change it. And that was always helpful. That's how it's functioned for, for me, in a sense, through illustration. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was doing some research before this podcast about, about the brain and mm. refreshed myself on the fact that, you know, they say there's really like three brains that we have that are connected into yes. one. And one of it they call the reptilian brain, which is the oldest primordial part of our brain. Or the primitive brain. Primitive brain yeah. the lower part of our brain. And then there's what's called the limbic system part of the brain. Mm-hmm. And then there is the PFC or prefrontal cortex, yeah. which is where higher thinking takes place. So they take these three parts of the brain. And one thing that's fascinating was Paul McLean, who's a neuroscientist, who actually talked about the limbic system mm-hmm. and said that we might think that on a daily basis, we do most of our living through our PFC. Mm-hmm through our reasoning. Right. But in reality, he says we're actually living in autopilot. Mm-hmm. Every day we're in autopilot, which means that it's your limbic system that that primarily determines your daily activity. Right. So that part of our brain, which is the malleable part of our brain, ex- extremely malleable, can be changed dramatically and it affects our everyday living. Mm-hmm. So he gives us this hope that the limbic part of our brain, which is where like the synapses fire, it's where the emotions are seated, it's where our reactions occur, you know, and we live there on a daily basis. And 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 because we live in this autopilot, you can actually shut off the autopilot. Mm-hmm. You can turn it off and change how you live your life every day. Fascinating stuff. And the, yeah, and there's uh, there's a great series out there, uh, a, an audio, a video and audio series by an organization called Sentis. Because I just went searching on the internet for like animated wow. educational videos about the brain. Because I'm like, so, surely someone's out there has made these things and and something that could be accessible where we could learn about it. And I found it, and it's an organization in Australia. I don't know if they still exist, but their videos are still out there. And they're really, really good animated Mm. examples of the brain walking through how the brain functions and operates. And so it talks about when we experience things in life, and it talks about the things that we were discussing. Um, Also, we can't leave out the amygdala, right? The amygdala Mm. part of our brain, which 
most things we experience are experienced emotionally first before we reason with them. That's right. And and we encounter that that way. So we have to be clear that we have thoughts and we have feelings and these things are interacting in our brain. Mm-hmm. And I think this would probably be the appropriate part to, to talk about trauma and how the brain handles trauma. Right. And the fact that when people experience it, and this is, I think, what most people are encountering when they struggle to figure out why is it that I might have certain reactions to things that seem not proportional to what's going on, or I can't, I have recurring emotions that are tied to something that I can't quite figure out. At least that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes it's related to trauma that you've experienced in your life and your brain stores trauma. That's what happens. Yep. It's like you have an experience and you encounter it and you are sent to your fight or flight part of your brain or your limbic system. And you have to figure out a way to deal with it. And whether it's a sufficient or insufficient way of dealing with that particular experience, that gets stored in like a memory drive. Yeah. And your brain may pull it at any moment. Yeah. If you encounter something that's similar to that in the future, well, that could be not helpful. Yeah. I mean, the reality is if experience shapes us as human beings, that can be for, for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. So traumatic experiences damage us right. and they stay with us. But in the same way, and this is what we often miss, is that we can also be healed as mm-hmm. well. That positive experiences can, and the words that we use in the coaching, counseling world is corrective experiences mm-hmm. or emotionally corrective experiences. Yeah. We sometimes call them mismatching or overriding mm-hmm. experiences that you can actually take a damaged experience and override it with a positive experience and therefore have a different way of seeing the world afterwards. So the, the, the thing is, it's recognizing that the traumas we've experienced have damaged us. Mm-hmm. They've affected how we think and how we see the world. But by overriding or correcting those experiences with positive ones, we can have a new way of looking at the world. We're not stuck in that. Yeah, showing We're not your imprisoned. brain. Right, yeah, showing your brain that, hey, this could happen differently. Yeah. Right. I could I could respond differently to this. Absolutely. So there's a term in um, neuroscience called epigenetics. Epigenetics is 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 the idea that gene expression is shaped by our experiences. And so if that's true and they've established that this is true, then epigenetics tells us that genetic dispositions can be changed. Mm. In other words, if we're inclined or have proclivities to be a certain way, mm-hmm. we're not imprisoned to that. We can change that. Yeah. So people say, well, I'm genetically predisposed to be a liar, you know, or an <laughs> alcoholic mm-hmm. or a cheater. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or that I'm genetically predisposed to, to be depressed, you know, or to be introverted or whatever. Mm -hmm. The point is that epigenetics, which is this new field that's becoming more and more real every day, Mm -hmm. is the study of change that we are not locked into those dispositions. Right. You don't have to be like, for example, generational issues. It's like, you know, I come from a father and a grandfather that was this way, you know, or that way. You're not stuck to that. You Mm -hmm. can change that. You can break generational patterns or genetic predispositions, which is Incredibly freeing, by the way, and very empowering because people feel like, you know, my father was an alcoholic, my grandfather was an alcoholic, et cetera, et cetera. Therefore, I'm condemned to be an alcoholic. No, you're not. You could say like, you know, I might be disposed to that. Right. But you're not stuck in that. Yeah. Genetically predisposed to that. If that switch gets flipped in your life, Mm -hmm. 
you may have a significant challenge there. You right. know, like in, in my family history of, of depression, mm-hmm. it's on both sides of my family. So if am I genetically predisposed to probably have it? Yeah. Potentially or possibly. You're inclined, but you're not stuck in that. Right. And I don't have to stay stuck. And a lot of the work that I've done over the years has been to help me right. be unstuck from it. Right. Right. But the switch did get flipped in my life. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I know people, and Ben, we talked about this earlier, is who just kind of live with the, the, the idea that I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Don't try to change me. You know, this is just the way. Or we settle down on that and just say, why do I try so hard to be different when I should just embrace who I am? <laughs> and, and there's a lot of movement today against any change. That mm-hmm. you, you are who you are. Don't even try. Sure. But the reality is that we have to try and we should try and we will try mm-hmm. because change is real. And the importance of trying in the right ways. Yeah. Because like we're casting vision here of the potentials and possibilities that are available to everyone via the, what we now know. Right. And how we've come to understand the brain more. And yet how, how, easily, how easily can we or I should say, how easy is it to actually change our brains right. and do that? And, and I think we have to be realistic about it as well. Yeah. The potential is there. The opportunity is there. And yet it is also very challenging to, mm-hmm. to do it. It's not like the easiest thing in the world. So let's talk a little bit about how do we change it. Now, we talked first about you know, corrective experiences mm-hmm. or mismatching experiences. You can overwrite past negative experience with even one yeah. present positive experience. Right. That's incredibly powerful. Sure. And I've experienced that in my own life to where I had a whole pattern of negative experiences mm-hmm. that were overwritten by one positive one. Yeah. And it can radically change your outlook. That's one thing. Another thing, though, I've been looking at, and it's incredibly important, is our thought life. Mm-hmm. You can choose what you're going to think about. That's very true. It's very true. <laughs> it's powerful. In fact, you know, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who's kind of a, you know, a popular, you know, writer and scientist on this, has actually written about illness and the kind of illnesses that we experience. And and she found that 87%, get this, 87% of illness can be attributed to our thought life. Wow. 87%. If even half of that statistic's true, that's insane. Stunning. But the, the reality is, I, I know that, that that's not always the case, and she didn't even say that, but 87% of illnesses, specifically chronic illnesses, mm-hmm. chronic diseases and illnesses have been linked to an epidemic of what she calls toxic emotions. Ooh. Toxic emotions. That ben. sounds gross. Yeah, it does, because it's toxic. <laughs> that, In other words... Toxic emotions, relationships, negative thinking actually mm-hmm. has a major impact on the quality of our lives. Well, think about how many toxic relationships where emotional dynamics are present that produce like verbal or emotional abuse. Yeah. That's trauma. Yeah. So it creates a difficulty. And I think we need to be really careful in our world. Two words are becoming incredibly trendy today mm-hmm. in our society. And then I would say a third related to one. One is anxiety, the mm-hmm. amount of that people throw that word around right. like, as just like a trendy word. I have anxiety. Yeah, and some of it's good, and that might be what you actually have, right? And I'm not downplaying anybody's experience, but the other one is trauma yeah. and the word triggers mm. and how much these words are getting used, and especially the younger generation starting to identify with these words in right. our overly therapeutic culture, I think. Mm-hmm. They, they start identifying with this stuff, and they use these words, and... And we have to be very careful mm-hmm. when, when we're using them as to what we're talking about because 
it's important to know if you have trauma Mm -hmm. and you're stuck in a brain that's struggling with trauma, how to work through that. Uh, This is something that I've been looking at a little bit more intensely uh, in recent days because it's important when you're working with people to be able to spot it if Mm -hmm. it's present to be able to help them, to give them some direction, right? Right, right. And so it's, I think that the main message we want to communicate, I think in this podcast, yeah. is that you can change. Yeah. That's what we've discovered. Ben, you've experienced it. I I've experienced it. I can tell you, and you can tell me, that we've changed the last few years. Yeah, for sure. I think we're a little bit different as people. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there is freedom that's available to people who don't want to be stuck in old patterns. Yeah. Just because you've always been something doesn't mean you're always going to be that. And that's the big takeaway. And so the reality is sometimes we need help. Sometimes, you know, we need like uh, counseling and therapy or we need medication. I mean, that's certainly, you know, legitimate. Mm -hmm. But there's other options like experiences we've been talking about. Sure. The power of, quote, positive thinking is real. It's true. (laughs) Even the Bible. Scripture talks a lot about, Mm -hmm. you know, how we think affects how we live. Yeah. And we are challenged and encouraged throughout the Bible to really be positive creatures. Yeah, to think about the things that matter. Yeah, focus on excellent things. We're told, you know, meditate, take every thought captive, as you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier. Why should we do that if it doesn't matter? Exactly. Choosing what we think about affects how we live our lives. And it was the same Dr. Karen Leaf who has shown in her research that positive thinking not only detoxifies the brain, but it actually grows it. Whoa. It grows the brain. And here's the catch. In as little as four days. What? Four days? Yeah, I read this. In as little as four days, if you literally change your pattern of thinking, for example, if you have this like perspective about other people, everybody's a terrible person, mm-hmm. everybody's awful, mm-hmm. everybody's evil. You know, if you tell yourself that on a daily basis, in even four days, if you change the story, change the narrative, mm-hmm. and, and say, no longer say that everybody's awful. Instead, say, everybody is actually good mm-hmm. or everybody has something to offer. Right. Everybody has potential. Just change the narrative in your mind and retell that narrative in four days. You can literally change your brain and the patterns and the synapses that fire when you mm-hmm. see other people. It's a phenomenally powerful thing. <laughs> I think people think, well, to change my brain, it's going to take months or years or decades to do it. It doesn't. <laughs> you know, what's the, the, like, like the statements about habits. It takes 21 days to establish a habit. There's mm-hmm. a lot about that. That's because the brain can change pretty quickly. Yeah. You can create new pathways in your brain mm. very quickly. And Carolyn Leaf says you can do it in little as four days. That's stunning. It is. It's, it's so interesting to think about. And I guess one of my hopes would be for people who might be listening to this is that they would take some time to just at least explore what we're talking about. Yeah. Go go read some things, go to the Sentis video series, mm-hmm. pick up a book by Carolyn Leaf. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read a structure here in a second from Dr. Kurt Thompson mm-hmm. about neuroplasticity. There's a friend of our institute, Dr. Tim Jennings, who mm-hmm. wrote a book called The God-Shaped Brain, which is completely focused on um, how you think about God shapes your brain. That's right. If you think about that, that God is a angry God in the sky who's mm-hmm. condemning and distant, it will shape your brain one way versus a loving God yep. who cares about you and is concerned and intimately involved in your life will shape your brain differently, That's a right. different way. That's right. 
And that book, God Shaped Brain, is really important because it talks about the role that love plays in shaping the brain, mm-hmm. which we're really interested here in, at the Institute in. Yeah. We're very interested in that. Yeah. The role that love plays in creating change. It is actually the most catalytic agent for changing the brain. Yeah, and that's critical right there is that it's not like just you know, sending good vibes to somebody. Like, like love somehow is going to encourage them. No, learning to think about love in every situation, what is the most loving thing to do? Mm-hmm. What is the most loving thing to say is very purposeful because by doing that, you know what we're doing? We're changing our brains. Yeah. And the presence of mirror neurons. Right. When, when you're identifying with someone in a situation and shared experiences mm-hmm. and being understood in that place changes your brain. Right. So there's all these things that are out there. So as we wrap this up, I want to share this because uh, I think it gives us a good place to end when it comes to this really, should I say, heady topic. Rainy, <laughs> heady topic. Of neuroplasticity. But this is a structure from a book called The Anatomy of the Soul by Kurt Thompson. Mm-hmm. And this is what he has to say about neuroplasticity. He says, um, neuroplasticity can be enhanced and facilitated by our intentional behavior. Dan Siegel provides the helpful acronym SNAG to refer to a process by which we stimulate neuronal activation and growth. Mm. Neuroscience research has identified what I call, he says, a neuroplastic triad, Mm -hmm. three activities that will enhance the likelihood of this growth and activation. So these these three things contribute to that. First is aerobic activity. I've, I've mentioned this in the past on a podcast, but mm-hmm. these three things. Aerobic activity, engaging in this form of exercise for at least 45 minutes per day, mm-hmm. at least five days a week, is good for the heart and the mind. When your body feels good as a result of exercise, your mind functions better. Yes. And the second one is focused attention exercises. So practicing certain activities such as centering prayer can help you learn mm-hmm. to per purposely focus your attention where needed. There's a huge movement of mindfulness today. Yeah. Right. That's where that's where mindfulness comes in. Yeah. Is how we focus our attention. And then the third is novel learning experiences. Any learning that expands your meaningful level of creativity, such as learning a foreign language, to play an instrument, to build furniture, encourages neuroplasticity. Memorizing the first 10 pages of the phone book does not qualify. (laughs) (laughs) Who does that? Because he says, unless you have a very creative way for using the memorized list or whatever, it has to have a meaningful, creative purpose for it. So, and I think this is um, important to state here. It says, this is not to imply that plasticity is equally available to us across the lifespan. Hmm. It is not. There are periods in childhood and adolescence in which the brain is more flexible than later on. Mm -hmm. That is why it is generally easier for young people to learn to play instruments or speak languages. Um, So it's important. He's stating we have to be realistic about this. Sure. But these are the three kinds of things that contribute to neuroplasticity and then happening. I love that because, you know, you really hit on the ones we discussed, which is new experiences. You know, and that's absolutely true. And they basically said positive thinking, mm-hmm. centering in the sense of what's important, what's good right. is incredibly important. But the third one I, I had not thought about that is the exercise, mm-hmm. how important it is to get exercise. That's something we can do to actually change our brains. That's so fascinating. It is to me. fascinating. So those are, I mean, really backed up by a guy who knows what he's doing. Dr. <laughs> Kurt Thompson yeah. validates what we're discussing here. So the reality is. You know, growth junkies, if you're into growing and you want to grow, the fact is you can. You can change. 
We are called, and our organization is called the Love and Transformation Institute. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we believe you can transform. Right. You can change. It's not just like behavioral patterns. You can literally change as a person. Your brain can change and the power of love to do that. And to know that as your toxic brain changes, Mm -hmm. what you're becoming is more loving. That's exactly right. You're healthier. You treat people better. You're more energized about life, right? Wow. And the self-help industry is trying to make all kinds of money out there selling this stuff when in reality... God designed it this way. Yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be. So here's what you should take away from this. Take away the fact that we can change. We can absolutely change. We understand the limitations on that. We understand it's not going to be the easiest Mm -hmm. thing in the world at all times. But nonetheless, we can change. Mm -hmm. So if you are stuck in a pattern of maybe despair, that you're stuck in the cycle of maybe negative experiences or behaviors or thought patterns, that you're imprisoned to that and it will always be this way, change that 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 can stop you can change there is hope we can mm. change the way we see life and experience life yeah it's a good word and so i think it's a great way to end there as a challenge to all the growth junkies out there to be open to that be willing to pursue that do your own research look into neuroscience look into neuroplasticity but the reality is that it gives hope to all of us that we're not stuck mm-hmm. we're not stuck we're not We can be transformed. And so that's our message for you today. We just love the fact you joined us, that you listened to us talk about this. We realize that we just scratched the surface. There's more on this subject, but we hope that the wheels are turning, that you will look into this further. And if you want to learn more about this, we have have materials and research in our Four Dimensions of Human Health book that you can get on Amazon. We do a lot of talking about that material on this podcast. Uh, You can get in touch with us on our website, which is loveandtransformation.org. And uh, we have new stuff coming out soon. In fact, we have a new book coming out on the subject of fear. And it's called Mega Life. So be on the lookout for that soon. But in the meantime, we're glad you joined us. We hope you'll join us again on the next episode of The Growth Junkies.